Ladies and gentlemen, make your porridge thick and creamy. Leave it on your doorstep before the sun has set. And don't forget to check your traps for huffalumps. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Is that how you get get huffalumps as porridge? No, it's, it's two different things, Nick. Oh. Welcome back to Talk Tell to Me. I'm Omen Said, and I am Nick McGill. We are feckless moans, and this, in case you're wondering, is Talk Tell to Me. A spiritual maypole dance in the verdant meadow of Prague Rock, where Nick and I weave, unweave, and weave again the brightly colored ribbons that are the songs of Jethro Tull. Every dance step a note, every twirl an album, and we are both seeking to be the best dancers to possibly receive a kiss from the May Queen himself, Ian Anderson. We may bump into each other every now and then. We may step on each other's toes, assuredly. Indeed. But in the end, we will have a very beautiful design. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Nick. Yes, Omen. We have no business. No business today. There's no business like show business. No business like tall business, and we have no business at all. And we have we have no business talking about Jethro Tull, but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> but we will do it. <laughs> and for this week, we are talking Tull to you, dear sweet supple listeners, about the fourth track off of the album War Child. It is Backdoor Angels. Let's have, as is our want, a listen. So, Nick McGill. Omen Sade, what are we thinking here? That is a song. Fact. Before we before we dive in, I want to ask you, in the in the spectrum, in the great chain of being of Jethro Tull songs, where does this lie for you? Is this one that you that just really gives you goosebumps and you would take with you to a desert island, or would you leave this one on the sinking ship? Well, if we're thinking like Desert Island, if you bring an actual disc with you, it would by default come with me because it's on War Child. No, no, but this is a scenario in which during the shipwreck, during the cause of the shipwreck, all of the songs have fallen off of their discs. While, while everyone else is abandoning ship, I'm on the computer loading up my MP3 player with specific <laughs> yeah, songs. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're getting the water and medicine and you're, you're, you're burning yourself a cassette yep, tape. Perfect. In terms of, of of ranking all of the Tull songs, this is yes. this falls as a favorite because it is part of War Child. And and by default, everything on War Child I love. However, in terms of my favorites list, it's on the bottom. Like if I had to, to lose <laughs> one or two, this would be one of them. What a what an awkward position for this <laughs> song know. to be in. I know it's on the fence. It's really it's this, this song is on thin ice. <laughs> it really is. But it and it's all because 
of those two really jammy bits that we have in between the 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 two verse and the four verse mark yes. those those kind of yes. kind of freestyly meaty guitar bits they're just they're just too jammy for me now, when you say jammy, you you are referring to a thing which I do not wish to speak of, which is the the jam band phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, it, it like like freestyle. That's kind of one of the reasons I don't like really freeform jazz, and it's 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 hard for me to to follow. And I understand people appreciate that. I'm not I'm not knocking that, but for me, that is a turnoff musically. Sure, right. Well, and everyone has their has their preferences. Let's talk about the guitar solo since we're on it. I know we usually do it. No, this is what we do. I usually usually we record a podcast. So let's jump in and talk about that solo. Yeah. So first of all, in terms of the progression of this album, we have not heard Martin Barr that much. No. Obviously, he's been on every song, but he's he's been kind of laying low. Mm-hmm. And in this song, he is busting out. It's it's like Animal from from the Muppets. It's like he just, they couldn't they couldn't contain him anymore. So they got him that's right. they got him to song number four, and he just he just broke out. That's that's yeah yeah. This is why you don't shake the bottle of guitar before you open it because because otherwise it just it just sprays everywhere. Martin gets everywhere. Martin, there is Martin in the curtains. <laughs> we there just Martin shim- in my hair. We just shampooed the rug. <laughs> yeah, so it and, and it is a it is a I don't necessarily agree with you that it sounds jam bandy or it doesn't I, I'll say it doesn't sound jam bandy for to me, but but I do understand where I understand why you say that. Maybe 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 not like jam band like fish or Grateful Dead jam band, but it's 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 on the cusp of jam and just guitar solo. And like we've said before, with guitar solos and drum solos, it's just, it's a little boring for me. Right. I mean, I think that, and there's a lot of it. I mean, this is a, mm-hmm. this is a five minute and 30 second song. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the longest that we've heard so far by, I think about two minutes on this album. Yes. Yeah. And probably about, at l- I would say at least a minute and a half worth is that are those two solos. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. This is an um, an ensemble solo. Yeah, it's a it's a band band-wide solo. And you know, particularly I want to point out that that Jeffrey Hammond Hammond is is burning calories at at the rate of someone doing a a Tabata workout by playing the bass on this song. <laughs> I'll have to listen specifically for the bass the next time I listen to it. Yeah. No, it's really great. It's very it's very fast. It's a very 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 fast bass mm. run in in the solo sections. Okay. I do think that there is a level of abstractness to the guitar solo. It's you, the thing that I enjoy about this song, and I think this is sort of exactly the thing that you don't enjoy about this song, is that there's such a contrast between the verses and the solo. Yeah. The the verses are are really 
thoughtfully composed and very tuneful. Mm-hmm. We have Ian's flute following the the voice. Yeah. In unison almost, you know, and making a lot of variations around the voice, but broadly following the the, the melody. Yeah. Which is really cool and something we haven't really heard that much it's, elsewhere. It's very unique to Tull so far. Yes. And probably unique in the world. Yes. Well, naturally. And then by contrast, the the solos are just like full steam ahead, very kind of peculiar time signature. Mm-hmm. And a lot of rapid changes in all kinds of directions. Yeah, it reminds me of a of a horse. Like the difference between a horse when it's doing dressage, which is that that fancy horse walking the, that they do the, in, in the now the rich person horse dancing. Rich person horse dancing, yes, yeah. developed at the same time as ballet was, and for the same reasons, because Louis the Sixteenth had way too much time on his hands. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe the Fourteenth. I don't know. One of those Louis. One of those Louis. And so that's sort of what the the verses feel like to me. Okay. And then the the solos feel like you know when you see a wild horse on like in the mountains of Australia just just freaking kicking it kicking itself all over the place, kick limbs, hooves going everywhere, going up a mountain, going down a mountain. It's free. It's a free horse. Yeah. That's what that's what Martin Barr is in this moment. He's a free horse. He is a free horse. Yeah. He's a Brumby. <laughs> is that a is that a type of horse? That's that's what the wild horses of Australia are called. That sounds right, actually. That checks out. Brumby. Yep. Yeah. For their <laughs> for that language. <laughs> but I just want to argue or suggest that in fact the solos have more structure than they may appear to have. They do. I I, I, you don't even have to argue that. I acknowledge that. Oh, but I, I think, I think you actually hit on it. I think it's, it is because it's such a, a drastic change that yeah. it's, it's a bit too jarring for me. It's like, it's like that, that's that like nine minute solo in P broke in songs oh, from yes. the wood that it's yes, just yes. such a lovely, like lamentable just mournful song and then you've got nine minutes of basically ambient music of just like a single guitar note <laughs> yeah. just just moving and on overdrive yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's i feel like it i feel like it 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 detracts a little and again that's just me but i it it, it takes something away from the song for me well it's not for all listeners right and, you know, I'm glad you brought up Songs from the Wood because, for me, a lot of the sounds that we hear in this track are very, I was going to say reminiscent, but I guess I should say premonition yeah. of Songs from the Wood. There's a lot of, uh, it's a little bit hard to put my finger on, but maybe it's maybe it's like the setup that Martin is using, the kind of guitar that he's using. I don't know, you know, the hmm. history of every guitar that he used. Mm-hmm. But there's something in the sound that just really reminds me of of songs from the wood. Are you saying particularly in those solos, or just in general in this song? Both, both in the solo and in the verses. Okay, but for kind of different reasons. Like, okay. this the sound quality of Ian playing the acoustic guitar, and the way that he's got his flute going. And I don't know, maybe it's like a reverb thing. Hmm. Okay. This podcast would be so much better 
if one of us was a sound engineer. I know, right? And and the other one was a musician. Like that'd be perfect. Yeah. If anyone wants to take over for us, you have to be one of those. There's an alternate world, Nick, an, an alternate universe where where this podcast is is just reeking of professionalism. No, no, the alternate universe is one of us is a musician, the other is a sound engineer, and we talk about ABBA instead of Jethro Tull. Oh god. Obsess oh, ABBA god. with me. Obsess ABBA with me. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we're both raging alcoholics in that in that reality. Oh, yes, in that one. Speaking of which, Nick. Yes, Oman. What are you What's the word I'm looking for? Imbibing? No. Uh, no. Or taking it? Yes. What's the thing where you pour out one for your dead homies? Oh. But like in a in a Greek way. Oh, I don't know. I don't know that term. I know it'll come to me. I know the term kuefferai, which is water bearers. Goodness. Yeah. Goodness me. What are you drinking tonight, Nick? Tonight I'm drinking a shout out to to good old Jesse Winter. I think that's two shout outs in a row at, in, in one week after the other. Ithaca Beer Company's Fruit it's F R. Can you? Sp- <laughs> yes, I was just going to ask you to spell that. F R U with an umlaut T. Oh, I am always with an umlaut. It is a Berliner style Weiss ale with cranberry and grape. It is from an Ithaca Beer Company sour variety pack. Is it good? It's very good. I I like a fruity beer. I think I've said it before. I I. I'm not ashamed. I like a fruity beer. You know what they say, Nick? What do they say, Omen? Never. (laughs) I'm drinking a resin from the Six Point Brewery in the very fine Brooklyn, New York. It It is a double IPA, so it is very, very hoppy. And it has a remarkably high alcohol content. <laughs> Nine point one. In wow. Fact. Yeah. Little sips. Little it's sips. A, it's Nick. a sipping. It's a sipping beer. So it's a sipping. We beer. are both drinking local again. We are local to us at least. Here's to that. Yeah, and that's all that matters. Is is our yeah. our own local. All right. Back to this. Back to the the music. I've only got one more note in terms of instruments. Okay. And I've I've never noticed this before, but at 22 seconds into the song, there is the most amazing harp flourish I've ever heard. <laughs> I, you know what's so crazy? So I was epic. literally going to talk about that. <laughs> I've never heard it before. I never noticed it. Me, me neither. Not until this listening. And it's right to said they put men to sleep. Oh, I didn't realize that it was tied in with that. I like that. That makes even more sense. Oh, yeah. It's very um, narrative-driven. Mm. It's a very narrative-driven harp. It's 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 almost a sound effect, you know? Like, it's it's almost yeah, fully. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. It's nice, and I, I didn't notice any harp anywhere else, so it clearly must have been, like... D standing in the background waiting for them to hit the harp at that at that yeah. point, you know. Waiting 
waiting for them to get that point and then well, hitting yes, the harvest. Right, right. Because I honestly, there are no strings in this, right? Or are there? And I just didn't notice because it, it's a well, it's very busy musically. I don't think that there are strings. There is certainly not those big sweeping string sections. Yes. Yeah, musically, that's all I I have. Although I do want to say I have been trying basically all week to figure out what time signature this song is in, and I am I'm lost. <laughs> my best my best guess is that it is in six eight maybe. Okay, but maybe with some irregular measures because I just again were we musicians, this podcast would actually probably be a lot more boring. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, us, us bumbling around, making our best estimates is, I'm hoping, fairly entertaining. Let's pretend for ten seconds that we are in fact musicians. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. All right. So the G flat with the raised seventh on the tail switch is really a diminuendo of uh, the sforzando in a kind of baroque fashion. But. Let's not forget that the strings strike a discordant harmony when they they meet mm. together with the glissando. That's true. It's more of an Italian counterpoint than than uh, than a Swiss counterpoint. And mom, get out of here! <laughs> mom, get out of the basement! Get out of here, mom! And that was as if we were musicians. <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna find a sting for that because we're never doing that again. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Let's move on, Nick, and talk about the the meaning of this song. Yeah. Let's get into the the actual the the actual lyrics and the content and I I hope that you have something because I only have two or three notes on specific lines, but Overall, I'm kind of this is a song that's never really jived with me in in terms of 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 getting a message across or telling a story. Yeah, I I agree that it is it is fairly opaque and coded. It almost feels like it, it almost feels like, feels like reading Spencer's The Fairy Queen, you know, it's like it's just it feels highly allegorical. Mm. Yeah. And but let's let's sort of like ballpark. You know, Ian writes songs about a lot of different subjects and, and they they tend to group into certain categories. So would you you know, what category would you say that this song is is in? So our our options that we've seen thus far, uh religion, right uh anti disestablishment. Kind of, yeah, yes. you know, and sex. social commentary and sex. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, angels leads me to to think religion. Yeah, but it, it feels so. My my lack of understanding it. If it's religion, it feels so insubstantially religion here. Yeah, I, you know, that's a great way of saying it. I think that this song is a little bit of a pivot point from what we've heard before, which is a general critique of organized religion, mm-hmm. 
to something a bit more profound and a bit more genuine and and authentic from Ian Anderson, which is discussion of his faith, you know, what he actually believes in. Which actually may be why I'm so thrown off by it is because I would never expect that from him. Yeah, well, and also because it's him, he doesn't, you know, whatever he believes in, you can be, you can rest assured that it is completely different than anyone yeah. else, what anyone else believes in. And, and, and his beliefs are generally not so veiled. He's, he's mm. usually a little more clear in terms of, of, of his beliefs, he, he's a little more ham-handed. Well, I think he's. I think he's usually more hammond-handed in terms of his opinions. But I think yes, that this okay. is the first time that we've really heard about his. And this is my, you know, my suppository on the subject. Um, your, your suppository. My con- is that the word that I'm looking for now? Uh, Supp- my conjecture. Your supposition. Ah, that's. <laughs> I always get those two confused. There, there uh, is a there is a joke in there somewhere. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think that that this is the first time that we've really heard him grapple with what he truly believes in. And and what is that, Omen? What do you get out of this? Okay. I get from this that he is grappling with, on the one hand, his belief in the divine. I I believe that Ian Anderson believes that there is such a thing as divinity mm-hmm. in this universe and that it has some form of intelligence. Yeah, he's he's been on the record plenty of times saying he's not anti-religion, he's anti how religion is. Exactly, and we've heard plenty of examples of him telling us how he doesn't like how religion is. Right. But but he does he does possess some some level of spirituality. And I think in this song what we're hearing is him starting to grapple with well what does that spirit what does that spirituality really look like for him? Mm-hmm. And I think that specifically what he's grappling what he's grappling with in this song is the idea of control. I, I wrote down the word control when I was listening to this because okay. There's this kind of theme of, you know, angels canonically and in terms of the Christian faith are beings who carry out God's will. So you ask God for protection or, you know, to help to give you strength with something, and he does that, he grants that prayer through the use of his emissaries, who are angels who have no free will who have no free will good point yes because all the ones who who displayed free will well we know what happened to them they they went to new jersey they, they i mean sorry they went they went to hell that was a dig against new jersey isn't doesn't dogma take place in new jersey you ever see that i have seen that and and I would not be surprised to hear that it did. Yeah, I think it does. Any place where you're not legally allowed to pump your own gas, clearly, clearly, God has turned. Oh, the that's line so eye. weird. But enough. But Jersey bashing aside, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to it later. 
for for me, what I'm getting from this song is a sense of, okay, well, what if there are these divine spirits who just kind of do whatever the heck they want to do and that I, as a mortal, have no control over? In and out of the front door ran 12 backdoor angels. Their hair was a golden brown. They didn't see me wink my eye. In and out of the front door ran 12 backdoor angels. Their hair was a golden brown. They didn't see me wink my eye. To me, I feel like there's a sense of being aware of the divine and being completely unable to affect it. So, like, mm. you know, there's no such thing as there's no such thing as as prayer being effective. So, is is the imagery of of the narrator winking his eye? That's that's an acknowledgement toward the divine. But the divine does not acknowledge. Does not wink back. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's kind of what I feel. Okay. I, I get that. I like that. And then we kind of go on to this journey of like of of listing all the things that these backdoor angels do. And and you just go you ahead. just said can we clarify backdoor? Like what is back what is a backdoor angel? You know, I wish that that was some kind of cool street term that was readily available on Urban Dictionary. Have you looked? It is. Yes. It oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, backdoor angel, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh no. Nope. Uh, oh, all right. It's just an Ianism. Is it backdoor? If something is backdoor, it's like secretive? It's underhanded? Yeah, it's it's out of the view of society. Okay. It's also familiar. Oh right. You know, if you if you go to your if you go to your parents' house, you're not gonna you're not gonna like knock on the front door. That'd be very weird. You'd go through the garage, most likely. So so they're slightly secretive yet familiar angels? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's what I'm getting. I think okay. that they are angels who are out of the view of the official. Okay. They're like off-duty angels. Oh, oh, so they they might be sneaking around behind God's back, even. Could be. Okay. Could be. Something like that. Yeah, okay. But they're they're not, they're off the leash. Okay, they're on, they're on Rumspringa. I, is that, is that German for spring break? No, that's, that's the, the Amish, when they turn like 16, they get like a year to go off and, and experience the real yes, world yes yes <laughs> yes exactly so then we have this sort of catalog oddly of... enough Rum, rumspringa translates to backdoor angel it, that's not <laughs> translates to rum drink rum rum drinker yes we have a catalog we have three we have three stanzas of things it's like bullet points. It's it's a to-do list for the backdoor angels. Exactly. And that immediately reminded this massive nerd <laughs> of the Queen Mab speech from Romeo and Juliet. Mercutio is basically 
teasing the heck out of Romeo because Romeo is like, I had a dream. <laughs> and and Mercutio is like, oh, you want to talk about dreams? Okay, let's, oh, let's talk about Queen Mab who brings dreams. And and a lot of his speech is is a list of everything that she does. Mm-hmm. And in this state she gallops night by night and through lovers' brains and then they dream of love on courtiers' knees that dream on curtsies straight or lawyers' fingers who straight dream on fees. It's a sort of like long list of everything that Queen Mab does. And it feels a bit like that to me. Which, and then if you look at the content of the things that he's describing that they do, you know, there's a lot of like, they're in ch- they they make flowers bloom and they color the sky and they this we're back to the 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 angels not back to the back to the backdoor yeah. angels there's a lot of very naturalistic imagery that we hear and and that to me is sort of like leading me down the path thought wise of of Ian's connection with with the the natural world that yeah all of this is i mean you blame it on blame it on nature blame it on the fairies blame it on the backdoor angels all of this is is like a natural well almost all of it is it has has a natural feel to it and totally. and that i just want to point out that second verse tis yeah. tis said they put we men to sleep with just a whisper, and touch the heads of dying dogs and make them linger. They said they put we men to sleep with just a whisper and touch the heads of dying dogs and make them linger. That is some of the most beautiful poetry of all tall i think i don't know why it resonates with me so much but it's just so beautiful and maybe it's because they're of that gorgeous harp flourish in there that i never realized until now maybe that's what got you (laughs) but i just you're a sucker for us for a glissando sucker for that harp but that i I don't know i just think that those lines that that couplet is just so gorgeous so so beautiful yeah so the things that stand out to me in those verses are the connection with nature mm-hmm. and also the kind of non how do I want to say this like like non organized the randomness the randomness of it yeah. yeah you know they they drop a penny in every other bowl and make half the beggars lose it's sort of like you know there's there's no order to it there's no like well you were good and so you get a penny and you're bad so you don't get yeah. a penny that's not you know that's not how we think of c- canonical christianity right all all the beggars get all of the the money they should yeah it's 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 chaotic it's 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 chance almost which goes against what you think of when you think of God. Like, nothing is chance. It's all predestined. But I think that that's, like, one of the fundamental struggles for Christians. You know, there's the, I often hear people say, you know, or you know, trying to justify world events yeah. and saying, you know, if God loves us, how could he have let this happen? And right. it's like, well, well, God works in mysterious ways. So like, well, does he? <laughs> you know, or saying, oh, well, this happened— 
clearly, you know, this tragedy happened because these people were sinning. And it's like, first of all, that doesn't seem like the God that's written about in the Bible, except maybe the Old Testament. Old Testament, yeah. But also, but like, it's much more toward this notion of of nature in in which there exists no notion of good or evil. There just is, there just is, is. Yeah. There just is existence. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the cycle of life. It is, it is killing, killing to eat and stay alive so you can propagate. It is doing, it is doing what, what your, your bloodline and your body require and that's it. And some people, you know, regardless of any virtue or skill that they have, some people prosper and some people don't. Yeah. And yeah. in the midst of it, there is all this incredible beauty. Right. Some things work well together. Others clash. Some things perf- so, some things thrive and some things die. And that, that goes for the forest and that goes for the city. Right. So, for, for, and again, this is conjecture. This is speculation. Yep. What what we do best. <laughs> All that we do. Literally the only thing that we're good for. <laughs> but I, I do think that for, for me it kind of points toward this non-dualistic sense of morality, this sort of – this sense of this non-dualistic – did I just say non-dualistic? Yep. I'll say it again. This non-dualistic sense of morality where things happen and there is divine presence – but that doesn't mean that there's necessarily a strict order that can be written down in a book. Now, what do you mean by non-dualistic? So in a lot of uh, religions and a lot of philosophy, there's this concept of it's either good or bad. Okay. It's it's negative or positive. It is it is good or evil. Black and white. It's right or it's wrong. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly. dichotomous. Yeah. Okay. And, and most philosophers and most – and I would consider Ian Anderson a philosopher, mm-hmm. arrive at the conclusion that dualistic thinking is inherently false because the world is much more complex sure. than that. Sure. There, there, is, there is gray area, for lack of a, of a better term. At least. And then in some philosophical traditions, there, there is only oneness. You know, that's sort of going toward, for instance, Buddhism. Sure. There's this sense of like, there literally is no good or evil. There is just is and, yeah. and is is. It's not two sides of the same coin. It's just a coin. It's one surface of the yeah, same sphere. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got you to gotta kind of suspension of physics to, to imagine it. But yeah. yes, it's both sides of the same Mobius strip. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's perfect. And I think that Ian kind of brings this out more more directly in the next stanza after all this is why did the faithful have such a will to believe in something oh, hang on and call it hang on siren sorry drinky break yeah yeah the sirens are always trying to lure sailors to their death over here in new york lord drinking is at the bottom of a milkshake no it's me chewing the hops it's it's just a can of hops. It's 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 a stock. It's fresh off the plant. I'm just not. It's like, I'm I'm eating it like corn on the cob, <laughs> like a like a typewriter. Okay, yeah. start by reading that stanza again. Why do the faithful 
have such a will to believe in something and call it the name they choose, having chosen nothing. Why do the faithful have such a will to believe in something? To me, this this verse feels it's like it feels like such a poignant jab, but I don't know what it means. Yes. (laughs) So like I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Why is it awesome? (laughs) How is it awesome? There, There are a couple of different concepts which jump out to me, and one of them is this notion of putting a label on divinity. Okay, sure. You know, a lot of organized religion is like, there is divinity. We shall call it by this name and worship it in this way. And if you don't worship it in this way, speaking of the Amish, you know, there are rifts that happen in Mm. communities because this group of people says that God wants their suspenders to be two inches wide. And this group of people says their suspenders should be one inch wide, according to God. And like, they fall out with each other. And it's like, I don't know much about God, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't give a f- about suspenders. He's he he has he has bigger fish to fry. He has bigger suspenders to fry. Yeah. So yeah, the, the so three this, inch suspenders. That's right. So there's this whole there's this there's a sense I'm getting from this verse about like the inherent fallacy of defining divinity. There's a an old Zen Buddhist expression. I forget who said it. One of the old. Zen Buddhist <laughs> checks, said, checks out. The, the moment you speak of a thing, you miss the mark. Uh, and I feel like I feel like that's I feel like that's something that that Ian is talking yeah, about in this case. It's it's a matter of priorities. Like like that's that's not important. Naming it is not important. And also, it's it's a bit like modern physics. It's like mm. by trying to define it, you immediately it changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Schro- Schrodinger's religion. Schrodinger's God. Yeah. yeah, it was a cat all along. I mean, I would, I would, I would worship a cat. You wouldn't be the first. Yeah. And then I feel like there's this play between something and nothing. And goodness, that's Shakespearean, isn't it? Mm. You know, the between the one and the zero, between the defined and the the infinite. Yeah. And 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 having aimed at the infinite, they end up with nothing. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So if so, I feel like I feel like Ian is is arriving at this conclusion in this song, which is believing in anything that someone has told you about is inherently false. It's up to you to come to your own conclusion, and only then will you truly get the most out of your spirituality. Exactly. Hmm. And in the next verse, he does exactly that. Mm. Think I'll sit down and invent some fool, some grand court gesture. Think I'll sit down and invent some fool, some grand court gesture. Which he capitalizes. Well. And next time the... I mean... And well, Google Lyrics, they capitalize it. I don't Google know. Lyrics capitalize <laughs> I think he cap... Well, he rolls his R on grand. That's like a form of capitalization. 
I, I wasn't aware of that, but I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll take oh, note yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any word that has a capital in it that also has an R, you have to roll your R's legally. That's that's English, Nick. Mm, okay. You should know that as an, <laughs> as an English major. That must be why I have so many fines, because I can't roll my R's. So that's, that's, so, that's yeah. why all those tickets think come in the, the mail. Think of all the money you could save. <laughs> I can roll them for you. Could you? I'll, I'll pay. Yeah, send me your R's. Yep. I will. I'll pay you half as much as the ticket, and then I'll still make out. Hey! Wow. Yeah. It's gonna be a great year for me. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, "I think think I'll sit down and invent some fool, some grand court jester, and next time the die is cast, he'll throw a six or two. And next time the die is cast, he'll throw a six or two. So I feel like, so, okay, we have a gambling reference. Mm -hmm. Throwing a six is good. Throwing two sixes is even better. It's also a play on words because he could be throwing a six or he could be throwing a two. Right, which in some dice-based games, a two, basically, you're out. Yeah, and a six is obviously the the highest. Unless you're you're rolling a d20. Truly a nerd, in which case you... Oh. That, yeah. <laughs> also, that I, the the line right before that, and next time the die is cast, that's also a play on like a die cast metal piece of 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 structure as well. That's that's a really good point, Nick. Yeah, I had not thought about that, but the, but the next lines could still apply to it. You know, it. So I, what I don't know is, is he saying, I will invent for myself my own definition of God, which is this jester. Yeah, which, which it could, he say it could be anything. You don't have to hold it up at, on the highest pedestal. It could be a fool. It could be someone, so it could be a simpleton. Totally. Which is also very fascinating to me that, you know, there's, again, this Buddhist saying, I feel like I'm showing my cards rather a lot in this, in this episode, Nick. Your Buddhist cards? Yeah. <laughs> There's this saying, if you meet the Buddha, kill the Buddha. Hmm. Meaning like, you know, if you meet, if you encounter like the massive, perfect divinity of the universe, it's a lie. You know, kill yeah, it. Yeah, okay. There, you know, if you, if, you think the, if you think you're meeting Buddha, you're not. Got it. it I, because everything is... Everything is Buddhist. I also want to... Po- has- Sorry. Go, no, finish. Finish. No, 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 no. I'm done. <laughs> I also want to pull a card from your other deck and oh. and talk about the fools of Shakespeare. Oh, whew, I started sweating there for a minute. I wasn't sure which deck you were talking about. <laughs> the one that's not sticky. Oh. <laughs> uh, all of the fools in Shakespeare spoke the truth. They spoke the, yes. the harsh truth. But they were they were funny about it, and they they knew the most, right? And historically, of course, there is a great connection between the divine and the fool. Mm-hmm. The, the fools the fools were often referred to as being touched by God, right? Exactly. Yeah. In the tarot deck, the fool is the zero, you know, which is which is as close to infinity as you can mm-hmm. get. It's like you know, it's the it's the it's the the neutral point. Mm-hmm. Maybe it may as well be God or a fool, but it's it's also the lowest quote unquote because it's the it's the the bottom number, right? Yeah. So in a way, he's he's not 
bringing God down to his level, he's he's putting everyone on, on an even playing field. Yeah, he's bringing everyone up to God's level. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then and then saying, you know, and then I don't know, is he saying like because I've invented this divine entity the odds will be in my favor or is he saying like and then the next time I see some random stuff happen I'll be like, "Oh, tis what the fool wanted," <laughs> you know? Well, the the verse is first person. So think I'll sit down and invent some fool, some grand court jester, and next time the die is cast, he'll throw a six or two. So he's saying he, the the god that he's in, inventing, he's setting himself up for success by inventing a god who will give him the best outcome. And maybe what it really is about is his relationship with divinity, you know, saying that, okay, now that I've fully rejected traditional religion, I'm going to invent my own relationship with the divine. And because of that, I now have more control over my own destiny than I did before. Right. Because because I have a, a direct connection. Yeah. And and you, your expectations are you're, – you're not waiting for some vast unknown power to do things for you. you. Your life is back in your own hands. You've empowered yourself with divinity. You've, yeah. you've aligned yourself in, in a – in a genuine way with the with the universe. And I think at this point, divinity, quote unquote, is really just an acknowledgement of of his own power. He is he is the divinity. Well, right. The other thing to keep in mind is that during this period, he was wearing a lot of court jester outfits while he was performing. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a bit of a self-referential thing there. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's exactly it. I think that's that's really on the nose. That's a good point. But I don't think it – I mean I don't think that he's sort of in the kind of Tiger King realm of like deifying himself. I think it's no. more like – it's exactly the opposite. It's like it's like making a fool of himself is the most divinely respectful thing that he can do. Yeah. It's, it's the most humble. We, are, we exactly. are all our own gods and we are nothing more than human. We are nothing more than and, fools. And, and you know, this last verse has never made sense to me until literally, Nick, this exact moment. Awesome. Oh, it's gone. Oh, nope, no, it's back. <laughs> so after this conclusion of you know redefining his relationship with the divine, in and out of the back door, one front door angel. Angel. Her hair was a golden brown. She smiled, and I think she winked. Her, I, a oh, one, two, three, two, two, three. Take it, take it, Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I, I like, I like the opposite dichotomy of that first verse. That it's very, it's very thematically, aesthetically pleasing to me. Yes, yes, it is. The 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 first the very opening verse was twelve ran out of the front door and he winked. Now it's one, right. no, 12 backdoor angels ran out of the front door and he winked. Now it's one front door angel <gasps> ran out of the back door and she winked. You know what I just realized, What's Nick? What's that? A little math lesson for you. What's 12 plus 1? 13. A baker's dozen, which is exactly the number of the disciples plus Jesus. Okay. 
So has he traded all the followers of the divine for the divine itself? Ooh. He's, tw- he's traded the 12 for the one. Hmm, okay. Ah, by passing through the zero, Nick. <laughs> I, I think the I think the she winked, the fact that she smiled and winked Yes. Is a bit knowing. It's a bit like, yes, I've passed. I've passed on the torch. I've I've passed the burden of divinity to you. My work here is done. Right. Oh yeah, like that. Because divinity lives in each of us. That's right. Oh, is that good? I think we did it. I think I think that's it for for backdoor angels. It makes it's still super opaque. But I feel like it does make a little more sense to me. In and out of the back door ran One front door angel Her hair was a golden brown She smiled and I think she winked her eye <laughs> Uh, by the way, dear listeners, welcome back, Tiki the Cat, to the recording studio. She has, for the past couple of weeks, not deigned to join me in these recording sessions, but today she is right over on the windowsill, licking herself most luxuriously. So, um, welcome back, Tiki the Cat. Maybe that's why the last couple episodes were so terrible. <laughs> that, that is why. She is our... She's our producer. Yes, yeah, we needed her. We thought we could do it yeah. without her. It's we've we've proven proven ourselves wrong. Nick, what are we listening to and talking tell about next week? Next week, track number five, the last track off of side A, off of War Child. Oh, it is Sea Lion. <gasps> mm. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It's a good one. I love this song. It's a good one. Well, until next week, you don't need to sneak through the back door of reviewing podcasts. (laughs) Back door of of Apple Podcasts. You can come right through the front door and leave us a five-star review, and you would indeed be an angel to us. Oh, that was good. I can't. I'm not. I'm not doing anything on this episode. You, you did great. Yeah, you know what? You know what? You know what, Nick? Just, uh, just take it easy. I got this. Uh, I'm going I'm to go, go, <laughs> go grab a beer. I'll be right back. <laughs> Until next time, I am Omen Sade. And this <laughs> is Talk to Ultimate. <laughs> Tiki. Good Tiki. Do you enjoy the podcast, Tiki? Do you enjoy the podcast? Tiki. 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 Tiki, come on. I...